Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast. The show that features the hopefully open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons bravely, valiantly staring down their impending perspective entertainment irrelevance. Hello, good morning to you. I am your co-host. You are listening to the voice of Noah Tarno. I am the founder, senior quiz master of The Big Quiz Thing, America's premier provider of corporate and private, private, good. I've been doing this job for almost 20 years and I can't say our tagline. Corporate and private trivia events. I've rewritten my boiler copy to reflect that now. So that's now official yes. can- canonic Bible. All right. Going back. Okay. My, uh, I'm Noah Tarno, senior, uh, senior and, okay, start again. All right. Uh, do I even know my name anymore? Hi. Uh, my company's called The Big Quiz Thing. We do something with quiz shows. Okay. So um, <laughs> my co-host, the man, the legend, say hi, fella. My name is Bill Scurry. I am the founder and proprietor of American Caesar Enterprises, which is that creepy guy who's over-scrutinizing the background on your Zoom meetings. <laughs> it's not a creepy guy. That's my seven-year-old niece. Okay. Who, uh, <laughs> She just, like, you put her on Zoom for 30 seconds. She puts in eight different backgrounds. She asks you to make her host. She changes everyone's name. She Zoom is, like, the the, the number one toy of 2020. It is. I, I kind of like that. You know, at the beginning, because uh, I, I do a lot of Zoom things back in the States with people. By the way, you know, Noah mentioned he said good morning. And, you know, at, the irony of all this is that for Noah, at the right moment, it's, it's 9.41 yeah. a.m. And for me, it's 6.41 yes. p.m. Because uh, yes. I guess because I'm Time on the moon. Zones. Yeah, uh, subterranean. It's hard to tell. Perhaps I'm on, I'm on board the Discovery with Hal and Dave Bowman. But yeah, I don't know for sure. Anyway, so so um, I do a lot of Zoom that is on New York Times because I play trivia with some of my friends back in Brooklyn, across the United States and things like that. No, you play you play trivia. I say I play trivia on Troom. Yes, I forgot. Yeah, on Troom. Yeah. So um, yes, I do see the fact that um, that that not I'm not doing like business meetings on Zoom, but I am watching you know what the hoi polloi uses their backgrounds, and in some cases I have to admit there's some clever ass shit. I was hosting a, a quiz event a couple months ago for this office, and um, you know it's one of these offices where there, there's there's the fun guy who everyone loves, who's the butt of every joke, everyone's favorite coworker, and they all had the same background was a picture of him. And he was there, and he was playing. I like that. So, That's pretty good. Yeah, it was actually pretty funny. I wish yeah. I remember exactly who that was. Anyway, uh, okay, so uh, welcome. What we do on this show is we talk about something new, current, hot, popular, maybe something people younger than us are into. Though I would argue that this is one of these topics where the average age of the fan is not much younger than we are, but it's still current and new. We're looking at a televisual program, a hot hit on the Netflix platform at the moment, uh, a uh, Netflix original series called Bridgerton, Bridgerton, which everyone seems to be talking about. Bridgerton. But, uh, by the uh, way, I, I just want to get on the record. I love when you say televisual. Why? What? What's? Uh, it's because it's, it's, it's such an it's such an archaic word. I think you're Philo Farnsworth. That's why it makes me it goes uh, back yeah. to like the uh, the birth of TV. I just enjoy when you use that term. There was a criticism when when television first appeared to the public. Maybe this is apocryphal. Uh, criticism of the word television because I, I don't know which is which, but tele and vision apparently one is a Greek root and one comes from a Latin root. So someone was criticizing the word as you know uncouth or whatever because it combined those roots. Oh, someone who clearly knew nothing about the English language to be upset about. Yeah, te- tele is Greek and, and visual is from videre. Um, uh, yeah, to see for one, uh, to, to see, right. And, and here's the, here's this is completely off topic, Noah, but one of my favorite terms is autopsy, which uh, it, it's almost in that same, because autopsy means to see for oneself. It's ought and then opsis. Uh, people, oh, yeah, people, never thought of that. People forget yeah. that. Yeah, it has nothing to do with like dead bodies or cutting. It just literally means to see for oneself. Anyway, continue. I've I've, I've been having on on the language tip. I've been having a lot of fun this week, especially this week. A few weeks now, I've been uh, spending a lot of time reading this subreddit called Leopards Ate My Face, which is basically all about Schadenfreude, about conservatives being upset now that they're hoist by their own petard. You know, the old saying, I never thought leopards would eat my face, complains the woman who voted for the Leopards Eating Faces Party. And there was actually an extended discussion yesterday, completely off topic, where someone mentioned Schadenfreude, which is a word that comes up a lot. And one of the, one of the, a poster who is from Germany 
and German was his first language. She's like, why do you guys keep saying Schadenfreude? Isn't there a word for this in English? They're like, nope, there's no word for it in English. <laughs> and then people are going, well, there is a word for it in English. The word is Schadenfreude. English adopts words from everywhere. And so it's nice to see that these people are language nerds after my heart. Yeah. It really is a perfect word. That's great. And, yeah, it's really That's good, what English yeah. does. We adopt other words. So Schadenfreude, English word. Yeah. All right. So we're looking at Bridgerton. Uh, Bridgerton's Netflix original series premiered on Christmas, December 25th. Merry Christmas, everyone. And uh, it has since been number one for many days in many countries on Netflix. The fifth most watched original Netflix show ever. Uh, it is based on the series of novels by Julia Quinn. And it was created by Chris Van Dusen. Chris Van Dusen, this is the first show he created. He's also the showrunner. And as far as I can tell, uh, Van Dusen is a protege of Shonda Rhimes, who, of course, was the Mind behind Grey's Anatomy, Private Practice, and Scandal. We call it, we call it, we call it Shondaland, actually. There's a word for Shondaland. That. Well, Sha that's the name of her production company. It's not just a slang term. And she's actually producer of the show. In fact, this show is the first in a, a series of original shows, apparently, she's going to make for Netflix. She signed a multi-program deal with them a few years ago. This is the first. Uh, Bridgerton is a period drama, romantic drama, set in the Regency London era. That is uh, basically the 1810s, called the Regency because those were the waning days of King George III, of course, maybe known to you from the song You'll Be Back in Hamilton. And uh, uh, King George died in 1820, and basically the last 10 years of his life, he was insane. He was invalid. So his son was the regent. And actually his wife, Queen Charlotte, is a character on this show. Uh, and it's all about high society. The main characters are all lords, ladies, dukes, duchesses, and they're talking about the season and debutantes and all that stuff. Uh, and the main characters basically are the Bridgerton family. Lord Bridgerton has passed, but his dowager wife and his sons and his daughters. And all of the actors are, with one exception, people I have never heard of. But looking them up, they are all British actors. They have, you know, they're young people, most of them, but they have reasonably impressive uh, resumes working on BBC shows, those things, stage actors in London. So... These people have pretty good pedigrees. Um, and uh, 63 million households have watched this on Netflix. Uh, when you look it up on Netflix, the adjectives Netflix used to describe it are swoon-worthy, lavish, and witty. If they may I say mean, for themselves. If they may say for themselves. I think those are reasonably accurate descriptions of the show. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll talk about it a little. I think one of the quote-unquote gimmicks in this show is that while in some aspects it seems to be very period-appropriate, costuming is very impressive, set design, all that, uh, they have made an effort to cast some actors who don't look like the people of that era and that social milieu. Uh, a handful of the main characters are played by, I was about to say African-Americans, but I guess they're African-British. Yeah. Uh, pe people of African descent. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of debate out there about what that means and whether that works. Uh, but uh, we're going to talk about it. People are talking about it. A lot of um, intelligent people whose opinions I respect seem to be binging on this thing. I guess, how many episodes in the season? Nine? Yeah, only nine or so, yeah. I made it through three. How many did you make it through? I made it through two. That was it. You made it through two? Oh, I thought you were going to say one. So yeah. you, you've exceeded my expectations, hey, sir. that's what I'm here to do. So, so we texted a little about it, but uh, please go into detail. What did you, Bill Scurry, think about the two episodes you watched of Bridgerton? Well, this is definitely not for me. Uh, I, oh, I, th I thought this you was. You think so? Yeah, I, th I thought this was this was really weak product. Um, man, I ain't shaming anybody who likes this because I get why you do. Uh, it, it is it is extremely well made stuff. And here, man, I was really surprised that they shot this on location in Bath. I mean, they don't make shit there anymore. You're talking like Ang Lee Sense and Sensibility territory. Like they shot this on those <laughs> curvilinear Georgian streets. I went to Bath the last time I was in England. I guess Bath they call it. Um, it is a it is a beautiful Georgian town. I mean, it is it is a you know people go there for the specific reason of seeing that Jane Austenian like Bronte Bronteian. Uh, architecture and you know that's where those stories took place and you know, Austin lived in in Bath through through I think most of her adult life, so I mean the you know you got sweeping camera moves you got vast CGI landscapes of of you know uh, London of that period of the Regency like you say, 
Um, the costume department worked overtime. I mean, everything is made of the best fabrics and, you know, brocaded golds and silvers and, you know, petticoats and waistcoats and corsets and makeup and hair and all these things. It, it, it is a costume burlesque, like you were watching, uh, you know, a, a Broadway show. I mean, I, I just could not stand a single second of it. And I, I get <laughs> I get why I didn't like it. And I get why... I get why it is so popular. I mean, we'll get to that in, in our next segment. But, you know, my reaction is, is that I was so put off by the first episode. Um, it, they're simple cosmetic reasons, but they're kind of like structural flaws that, that prevent me from getting into it. First of all, everybody were the, the, was the same class of English actor, whether they were black or white or, or whomever. They were still the same level of Anana pretty. They were bland catalog model type, you know, regular looking faces. And I say regular, not to say it's all Caucasoid. I'm just saying the regular is that they are all conventionally handsome. You know, ch chins are square. Uh, hairlines are tight and cropped. They they all look like Justin Thoreau and 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 you know all the all the Afro British people look like um, I can't think of a, a an English uh, comparison, but. Everybody was just nothing, nobody that you would remember. They are all Anana bland pretty. And, you know, one of my bigger problems right now with, with the English acting system is that they are feeding our uh, American, I mean, if, as if there is such a thing as our, but, but Hollywood is binging on English actors because they are well-trained, fairly reliable, and they work cheaply. The only caveat is that English actors, when they come over and do Hollywood, or if they work in Pinewood or Leaves Dinner, one of those studios for American films shot in England, they have to put on our accent, and, and it sounds terrible. The, the one thing these actors can't do is, is, is accurately pronounce the letter R. It sounds like they give their they give their pronunciation away immediately, and it distracts me. Well, so, you always I always think of you. You make fun of uh, Andrew Lincoln on The Walking oh, Dead. Terrible, terrible. Uh, who, by the way, if you don't know, is British, even though he's playing a guy from Kentucky or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he's he's a prime example. And I mean, there's a few of them. Yeah. Colin Farrell is an Irishman who never plays Irish in films, and he sounds terrible for it. So these actors, none of them are none of them are pretending to be American. But the thing is, I know that in about six months and a year, they're going to fill up a Hulu original show about lawyers. You know, they're going to be in a doctor show <laughs> on CBS. You're going well, to well if they can film it. Well, TV is basically working again. Yeah. Some of it. Yeah, but yeah. But I mean, the the dude who played um, uh, the the lead, uh, who is that guy? The the Duke that she is is, is like betrothed the name. Where they're they're putting on the um, they're putting on Lord the, Lord Hastings. Yeah, he's basically the main black character. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Lord yeah. Hastings. He's so uh, handsome. Lord, Reggie Reggie Jean something. Reggie yeah. Jean. Yes, yeah, yeah, right. He's he 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 looks like he's in like the third touring company of Hamilton. Right. He's Zimbabwean British actor. I mean, this yeah, is the thing. Yeah. It's like I watch so many English shows and so much English TV. They they have this incredible crop of actors, and I'll give them credit because so many of them are black right now. I, I am seeing so much phenomenal talent that is that is um, uh, Afro British, quite literally. People who came there from Zimbabwe, from Ghana, from Mali, from Senegal, um, and and like the people, their their crop of talent looks. Maybe crop is a bad word, but I'm saying their class of talent looks so much more polyglot than the United States version. Because, again, our acting schools and our feeder systems aren't turning out as, as equal a product in terms of people. Anyway, I don't think it's the acting that's a big deal uh, or, or the wrong thing with this. It's the um, really soapy, frothy american cosplay, cosplay. and th this is the thing noah i mean I'll, I'll ask you this and and you know you can take it from here but it's like what I, I i read i read jane Eyre. i'm trying to think if i've read a bronte or not i've read very little of this but i mean this was part of my fight in college against the so-called canon the canonicity of these english classics were really difficult for me to get into because i wondered it's like as a as a blue collar kid from long island with a chip on my shoulder i kept wondering why am I reading this? What is, what is, what is the fascination? <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good question. It's a good question. A good what is question. the fascination yeah. with this yeah. upper class, high, you know, hidebound, yeah. you know, class based, absolutely rigid, complete social oh. immobility? Like the what? fucking the rules, the stupid, meaningless rules. Meaningless rules. Meaningless, a, inhumane, amoral, immoral. But it's, yeah. like, it's like what? What is the interest in both? What's her name? Julia oh. Quinn in writing these books. This this frothy cosplay. Well, it's American cosplay in English in English souls, and it's like. And then what was Chris Van Dusen's interest in making this show? 
like why do people want to revisit this in in the and you know with the fever that they're giving it please explain this to me I made it through like an episode and a half and then I paused to read some commentary about it and something that smacked me in the face that I'm like duh which really made it make more sense to me is like this is in the romance genre and it's important to recognize that romance is a genre think of I mean it's a cousin to like a harlequin romance something like that right it's a genre that appeals to a lot of people, stereotypically women, but some men as well. But it doesn't appeal to me. It doesn't appeal to you. So when you think of it that way, yes, like you said, I don't want to get on people who enjoy this as fun escapism. It doesn't mean you're an idiot. There's no shame in that. That's fine. If this is frothy fun for you during stressful times, have a good time, right? I'm, we'll get to whether this is a sign of the apocalypse. Absolutely not in my mind. But it's of no use to me, and because this is my fucking podcast, I'm going to say why I think it sucks. Um, yeah, the acting is fine. These people are all good actors. I think they're very poorly cast. Very poorly cast. And it's not... You're right. They all just look perfect. They don't... They, they all look like modern people to me. I see them in these costumes. They're like, why are they wearing these clothes instead of like something that's well cast where it looks right? And it's not just because, oh, people back then weren't black. Again, the black actors are... It's surely in terms of number, a minority of the cast. Now, in some ways, they're the quote-unquote most interesting characters. The Queen is played by a black woman, although this is interesting. I looked it up. There are rumors, mostly discounted, that Queen Charlotte had African ancestry. So I don't know if that was a conscious decision or whatever, but take that as it was. Um, so even putting that aside, I think the white actors are miscast. They don't look like they belong there. They look like modern-day people. Uh, the one exception... The one actor I've heard of, big fan, one of my all-time actress crushes, the one, the only, Julie fucking Andrews. My love. And you only hear her as a voiceover. She is this gossip columnist, Lady Whistledown, and everyone is reading her gossip sheet and hanging on her every word. And I mean, she's great just in the voiceover, but like I, I, the concept of that character, I want to throw off a fucking bridge. Um, <laughs> and that gets at my biggest problem with this. I don't give a shit about these people's problems. Like, I get it. Fine, it's escapism. You want to enter a world where it matters, like, who's debuting, who is the, who is the, the best uh, debutante of the season and the social season and who's going to whose ball and what gown are you wearing and a woman seen with a man in a proper way and who's betrothed to who. Fine, it's escapism, but it's 2021, man. This is a critical time in the world. I can't care about these people. This, I, I just want to go shut the fuck up. These problems don't matter. And they're offensive, too. Like, keeping people down, and not just women, keeping men down. Like, these roles. and It's just garbage. I'm reminded of, um, I never really liked Sex in the City, which I was forced to watch a dozen times. But, like, Sex in the City I found more entertaining than this. Because my problem with Sex in the City was always, like, these women are complaining, but like their problems are their own doing. It's because they insist on living their lives in these shallow ways. And I just, I can't be sympathetic. I can't worry about their problems. At least that show was kind of funny. But I just, I can't get with it. And then, of course, the show tries to inject some relevance. You know, some of the female characters complain about their station in life and all that. And it's total weak sauce, man. It's absolute. When Eloise, the younger sister, complains, oh, I can't be who I want. Men can do whatever. It is the lamest attempt at feminist undertones I've ever heard in my life. I'm sorry, man. You, you, you're, not, you're not saying anything that an idiot can't speculate. It's just there's no depth to it. There, there are better ways to do it. You're not wrong. Yeah. 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 There is one interesting scene to me in the three episodes. One interesting scene. And basically, I don't want to give anything away, but there's a scene of sexual innuendo. Very, and not even innuendo, like a sexual reference among these people. And I thought it was very well written and very well acted. For those who have watched it, it is between Hastings and Daphne on the bridge when he tells her something that any woman her age in the modern days would already know about. But then, of course, they cut to the scene where actual, you know, hanky-panky is going on and it's total cliche. So... Any any attempt to say, oh, they're injecting feminist, modernist, risque undertones, it's bullshit, man. It's totally half-assed. I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure the people who are watching it, to be honest. Like, I don't know who that's for because I don't think – look, a lot of feminists are watching that. I don't think you're watching it for that. I think feminists are watching it for the frothy sudsiness. You know, it's it's this – Well, yeah. 
Yeah. You know? Typically, romances have had a very chaste form of sexual... Uh, typically. The one Harlequin romance novel I read had some fucking pornographic scenes in it, more or less. But yes, I think a lot of the appeal of this to a lot of people is is you keep the sex a very romantic and very, like, you know, it's not close up on dicks and stuff. It's just like, it's very, you know, more su it's suggestive than anything. That's a stereotype. I'm sure there's 8 billion exceptions. Uh, in terms of the casting of certain characters by people of African descent, all right, so is this some, all I, I read an article, like, is this some alternate universe where there was, there was racial equality in the 1810s in England? Maybe, but apparently then there's a reference to slavery. So what does that mean, right? And then there's such attention to detail with the, I, I, I kept thinking about this, the men, the white men, all have this hairstyle, which I never put my finger on it, was was kind of like, kind of came back in this, like they look like they're members of the Kinks. This kind of big, almost semi-pompadour with a big shaggy haircut and like, you know, kind of almost like the, the cock-like crown in the front and then big sideburns. Like from our point of view, they look like rock stars from the 60s, right? But every white man has it. So apparently, and I'll believe it, in that era, that was the respectable hairstyle for a high-class, you know, high social class gentlemen of England the time. Fine. The black guys obviously don't have that hairstyle. So what does that mean? You know, like, you can't have it both ways. You can't have this casting where some people just happen to be black and it's not commented upon. Or you see a couple of people in the background who are Asian and it's not commented upon. But, like, they don't have the same hairstyle. So, like, you can't say it's irrelevant who's playing these parts in terms of their physical appearance, but also have such attention to detail in terms of the costuming and the hairstyle. What statement are they making other than we want to give work to actors of black descent because they're good actors and it's nice to see their faces up there? We haven't talked about this yet. There's another gimmick that shows up that seems totally random is when they're dancing in these very formal dance promenading and whatever at these balls, these string, these string not quartets, but the the musicians are playing uh, string versions of very recent pop hits. I reckon there's some Taylor Swift song. I recognize "Bad Guy" by Billie Eilish. The one, all right, one, might, the one might like been a Avicii or something like that. Uh, for all I know, yeah, exactly. So, like, what's the point of that? It just it feels like a meaningless stunt, and I just feel like, all right, fine. This this floats your boat in terms of escapism. Have a good time. Grosvenor Square, 1813. Dearest reader, the time has come to place our bets for the upcoming social season. Noah Tarno, tell me, why is this popular at the exact moment we're speaking about it? Well, as I said, escapism. People are looking for that. Can't say I blame them. And if, if you're a romance type person, you know, it's nice looking. As poorly cast as people are and as bad as I think the scripts are, the acting is fine. Uh, the people are beautiful. I get it. You know, you want to lust after someone. That guy playing Hastings, that guy playing Anthony, good-looking men. There's a scene where you see Anthony naked and it just cuts just above his dick. And, oh, I get it, ladies and gay men. I get it. <laughs> I, I, I totally get it. Yeah. Um, so, fine. Uh, that makes you happy. Have a good time. Uh, there's no harm there. But it's a lot of, uh, I don't think really the right term, there's a lot of astroturfing here. The fact that they, they, they throw in the black actors and they, they throw in the pop songs, the string songs, and they throw, why can't women do what they want? Just these lame nods towards relevance. I get it why you might think this is smarter escapism than something else. I don't agree, but I guess these people are good at fooling people. The people who make the show are good at fooling people. Um, and then the net, those Netflix buzzwords, I wrote those down, swoonworthy, lavish, and witty. You know, all the names of people just seem like Lady Whistledown and the Duke of Hastings and he likes gooseberry pie. They're just punching these little buttons of these like, it's like a progressive rock album. You just say gibberish <laughs> and it sounds cool and sounds witty and sounds sparkling and sounds arch and all that, but it has no real meaning. So just it's very contrived in a way that I think is probably good at fooling. I'll be generous and say stress people, not stupid people, into thinking that there's there's some substance here. But I don't think there is. But whatever, do, you know, do, have a good time. You mentioned prog rock. Do you think they should have a Roger Dean album cover, Noah? Yes, Roger Dean painting the characters of Bridgerton. Yeah, I think they should make a a drama series based on the adventures of Tarkus. 
the oh, you the don't have armadillo to, yeah, the, tank the armored, creature tank trader armadillo you don't need to sell me that's one of my yeah. favorite albums of all uh, time emerson, emerson lake and then every episode's about a different emerson lake and pop you have brain salad surgery album yeah ammonia avenue album the oh no that i'm sorry that was um the alan parsons project yeah uh but just just it doesn't have to be elp or alan parsons project the hut APP. the hut of baba yaga yeah there's there's a whole thing we right. could do yeah Every episode is like a dramatization of a progressive 1970s or 80s progressive rock album cover. Hey, man, you know what? You I, laugh. But I on, would I would get very high and then watch it. On uh, ELP Works Volume 1, which came out, I want to say, in 1978. <laughs> this they, is how pretentious a band you are. You not only title, uh, you're a rock band that titles an album Works Volume 1. <laughs> That's how pretentious they have a, ELP they, was. They have like a 25-minute song called Pirates, and oh, it was supposed Jesus. to be... good. God. It was supposed to be the the uh, pr- the presumptive score for a movie that uh, a Roman Polanski movie that was never made about pirates, and so Keith Emerson went and just wrote essentially a history of piracy in a very jaunty twenty five minute multi you know multi movement song. It's fucking incredible. It is so good. Yeah, Land- it later became the soundtrack of the early two thousands film Pirates. Trivia fact. Highest grossing porn movie ever. There you go. All right. Anyway, the, I'll tell you why this is popular. Like, I, I'm going to I'm going to dovetail a lot of what you said. And that yeah. uh, Noah, you as you well know, Netflix is the American Broadcasting Corporation, or or if you will, the Col- <laughs> the Columbia Broadcasting Service yeah. of our age. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, Netflix has this cachet where, as a brand, it, it is a thing that's right up front that people look to, and, and things that are on it have a certain cachet. Um, so, you know, whatever Netflix produces, it kind of has this built-in buzziness. And then I think this is a, I mean, this too is like a, you know, jerk the wheel to the right in terms of what they've been doing. This isn't the usual thing from the Casa de Papels and and other shows that they bring over here. This is this is different. This is their first costume drama, for all I know. Um, so yes, this is sumptuous. It's lavish. It's all those things. If it matters that people pay attention to the off-the-page things, this is, like you said, the beginning of Shonda Rhimes' big payout. And that she was the hit maker. She pretty much kept ABC afloat for, I'd say, a good 15 years. ABC pissed her off by not giving her free Disney World tickets. So she said, fuck it. I'm leaving... Uh, once whoa, my deal whoa, is whoa, over, whoa, 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 whoa! Is that a complete joke, or is it based on something real? It's kind of based Disney it, World tickets. It's kind of based on something real. It's it's scuttlebutt. Apparently, like somebody inside ABC was trying to throw some dirt on her on the way out, and they said the reason why she didn't re up with ABC after all these years is because she asked for comps to Anaheim, and they, they apparently the word from the inside was that the guy who worked for ABC Disney said Shonda. Don't you have enough money that you gotta you gotta you gotta ask for comps <laughs> from us? And you can you could easily make the argument. It's like you know what? If Shonda says she wants tickets to freaking Splash Mountain, you give her tickets to Splash Mountain because she's the reason why right. you still have a network. But yeah. Dis- Disney overplayed. I, I, their- I think that is a wise investment on Disney's part. Disney overplayed their hand. They lost Shonda Land. I, don't, I mean, they have the TV shows, but new things coming out. As you see, this was already paid. Like whatever money Netflix paid down is apparently already coming back at them. Um, you know, so, yeah, you know, like you said, the actors are gorgeous in totally bland, generic, anonymous ways. Um, and I guess, let me let me say about the the race-bent casting, and it's it's something a little different what you're saying. I actually think it's the way of the future. I think, I, I want to say ingenious, but at the same time, I don't want to call it that because that makes it seem like it, it, it should be thought of as weird or strange when I think it's going to be de rigueur in that, what happens from now on is that um, no matter what story they're making, you can make a story about uh, the Crusades or about, I don't know, the White House in the 1800s. Or I think what needs to happen is that actors will just play these roles. And it doesn't matter if Viola Davis is playing Edith Bunker or like. The, they, <laughs> I want to see that. Well, they did this with the Harry Potter musical where, you know, it was completely sex and race bent. And that they just the actors, if you're playing the role, it doesn't matter if, if it's good in a performance and if the if the conceit is there. I really like the idea that it doesn't matter that a black actor is playing Lord Hastings or that a black actress is playing the Queen, so on and so forth. I mean, I think what this the movie, I mean, what this TV show does rather, it makes the mistake of trying to explain it rather than just saying this is the way it's always been. And does yes, it? I feel like they never explain it. 
Well, like you were maybe in an episode I haven't gotten to, but they literally never say you have a darker skin tone or something like that. I I read I read some background where they were they were trying to insist that like they were writing in and as as saying it's almost like an alternate universe rather than just these are just people being people. Uh, and I, I like the idea of actors just being actors. And, and it's like, if you're going to... Yes, but that, that works if it's a musical or there are there's already this sense of unrealness. But by having every detail try to be so period accurate, okay, but, they're but, trying to have it both ways. No, no, like no. Hamilton, I, it makes sense. Okay, but they're maybe already so. on stage. There's already a singing but, and dancing. But, not dancing so much. But. With, with, not, with narrative, non-musical entertainment, the idea why it's not... Uh, is because it's only been done in musicals so far. The thing is, once we start normalizing this as a way to go about giving, you know, people of color roles that that aren't necessarily racially appropriate for them, or not racially appropriate, I'm saying racially cut, then it's like we'll get over that very quickly. And it doesn't matter if you I, have. All right, maybe you're right. All right. Frickin' Randall Park, one of my favorite actors, the guy who was in um, uh, the Avengers movies. He was in the uh, uh, the interview as Kim. He's he was in Veep. He's this incredible Korean American actor. I want to see who does him he as play like, in the Avengers movies. Oh, he plays Jimmy Woo in Ant Man Two. Um, if you remember that. Oh role. right, okay. Yeah, yeah. he's great. He's Ant-Man such, Wasp, such yeah. a great comedic actor, such a great presence. Yeah. Uh, even Stephen Yoon, who I just saw in this movie called Minari. Like, if you could, I'm, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to elide uh, uh, black actors. But I'm just saying it's like wow. there are so many actors of, of color who are not as Caucasians who would not play. I don't know Willie Loman or some shit that that would just be embargoed for them for years. Yeah. Other than saying yeah. like, oh, here's an all black production of Hamlet, or here's an all black production of you know. Um, you know, of, of King Lear, the one that Glenda Jackson did where, you know, King, she was playing King Lear. You know, they they, right. they they gender bent King Lear. It's like, well, why not just yeah. have these things where the best actor's playing the role? I, I get I, it. Look, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know. Maybe I, I'll need to get used to it. That just makes more sense to me on a stage where there's already this artifice right. versus but it, a let's put, detail... Detailed, accurate to the agency era TV show, and that's not what this is. This this is a costume party. Yeah. There's nothing real about it. This is an American. Ver- Everything about this is American. This is the the actors are all reciting dialogue written by Americans. The book was American. The production's American. So don't get me wrong. There's nothing English about this other than the burlesque, the costume party. And the fantasy role play of being inside Regency England. But this is all an American's conception of those things. This is not Emma Thompson's script for for Sense and Sensibility, which is a fucking work of art. Directed by Ang Lee, who even though he's a, a Taiwanese man, completely understood what it was like to be in that same uh, uh, Bronte version. Bronte? Austin? Ver- Austin version of England. That's a different thing. This, this is a costume party on, on Netflix that I won't say it's a guilty pleasure, but it, it's not striving for like that John sales Alexander Payne form of realism uh, that you may you, then you may have a case for the drop off in the credibility if you're if you're looking at Gerald Ford being played by John David Washington maybe you would maybe you wouldn't for all we know <laughs> I'd be interested in seeing that someday that you know if it's the right actor yeah. for the right part I will overlook things and just say that this is what needs to happen in the future maybe it could maybe it could start here so like I said I'm a big fan of the race bending thing I think that this you know, the, the, there's some there's some growing pains between what audiences can take and what they can't. But apparently not, because this again is one of the biggest hits of our modern day pandemic age. So there's not an it's not an impediment to um, you know believability. Where is he, Benedict? I do not know. Hmm. <sighs> Bill, would this have had any more appeal to you if you had encountered it as a younger man? No, nah, man. I hinted to this earlier in that. I, it, it takes me back to, I want to say, 94 or so, 93, when I'm reading Austin and I'm reading Bronte and Thomas Hardy. Granted, those I'm, I'm zipping around. Those are all three different uh, uh, decades and whatnot. But um, I had real antipathy for the canonicity of these stories. And it's, it's, I don't even feel like it's up to me to, to – I could ask the question, why are these the canon? And, you know, the, these were hidebound – college curricula and wasn't unique to LIU where I went to school because I'm sure all over the place they were making kids read Jude the Obscure by Thomas Hardy and they were making people read uh, you know Wuthering Heights and all these stories which I think are I think are complete piffle as you might say they're blatherskite they are to me it was as much science fiction as there is in Dune but Dune was a lot more 
pertinent to my life. And I recognized the behavior in Dune as people were riding on the backs of giant sandworms than I could possibly imagine in a cotillion ball or what people were doing in, in you know, late 17th, I mean, late 18th, early 19th century England. Um, so the thing is, it, it was an enormous wedge. And I feel like the, me, between me and the curriculum, there were some things like I read, you know, like Kurt Vonnegut made more sense, even though that that was like weird, uh, you know, surreal science fiction at times. And sometimes it was a commentary on things and and reading, uh, uh, you know, all the various texts in college. Nothing, none of them put me off as much as like this type of stuff. I just didn't understand why am I reading this? Um, you know, a, a great deal of these hoary British novels are classics because we're told that they are. Um, and, and, you know, that's some of that's based on like who decides what's published in the Penguin Classics line. And I mean, at, that this is me as a freaking 20 year old, Noah, choking on this stuff. I didn't seek out this entertainment. In fact, I had a very high guard up when it came to like watching the, the aforementioned adaptation, the Omni uh, interpretation of Sense and Sensibility. And then later, the Pride and Prejudice miniseries that was that legendary one on the BBC where Colin Firth was pretty much introduced to the world in that one. And I, I resisted, resisted those things for years. And granted, because they were filmed uh, products, they were easy for me to choke down. But I think they were also better adaptations um, than the ones I'd read. So, you know, once I got over myself and I saw that if they were in the hands of a really capable adapter who was taking them out of the age they were made and using actors like Hugh Grant and Alan Rickman, who are so fucking good in Sense and Sensibility. And again, that script was by Emma Thompson. Then the life gets breathed into it. You see people who look like this is a gritty reality based version. This is this is the I see the humanity in it. But uh, other than that, I don't see any humanity in this because I, I don't know who my proxy is. I mean, granted, I don't have a proxy in this. They didn't make it with me in mind. And that's fine. No. That's fine. Yeah. Look, that's fine. Not every story needs to be about me, but I couldn't even, I, but I didn't have any, I couldn't even get a toehold on where I was supposed to be. Even if it's not for me, I would have liked some sort of compass pointing north and I couldn't get there. The, the only toehold I found, that one scene I liked because... It was about sex, and there's my toehold. <laughs> Although, again, then they kind of, whatever. I'll give a little away. There's, there's. It turns out this this high bound upper class debutante woman basically has no idea the concept of masturbation, and it's up to Hastings. You know, this guy she has this fake romance with, but surprise, surprise, maybe it's not so fake. He basically explains to her masturbation, and she's so embarrassed. And I, I think that woman, that actress Phoebe, whatever her name is. I think she gives a good performance in that scene. And it's clever and intense. And then it cuts to a scene of her touching herself for the first time. That scene I thought was lame. Her touching herself was really cliche. But when he's telling her about it in somewhat veiled terms, I thought that was very nicely done. But yes, there's nothing for me here either. Uh, But I'm going to say I would have liked this more as a young man because I I was pretentious and I would have believed that the nods to relevance and modernity actually had some 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 import. I would I would get something out of the younger sister complaining about how women can't do anything and men could do everything. I would have thought it was more than just a lame nod in that direction. I would have thought that the race race racial bent or color bent, however you phrased it, which I liked. Because I read something that said it was colorblind. I'm like, it's not colorblind. If we're colorblind, members of the same family would all be different colors yeah they, they yeah. definitely you know if if you're if you're black your relatives are black in the show um by the way that guy who plays hastings dad who you've mm-hmm. seen flashbacks yeah at first i thought that was don Cheadle. don't you think that guy looks like don Cheadle? Uh, a little bit i've seen a couple of other english actors on some shows i watched last yeah. year that maybe you think it was them but it, it wasn't any of those guys so yeah. and and i will give them credit for this at first i'm like oh well they they make all the most exciting characters black but that dad in the flashbacks is fucking evil. He's, he's a, a monster. horrible evil. He's a character. monster. Yeah. So you could say, well, you know, they're not afraid to make the dark-skinned guy a piece of shit human being, right? Um, afraid. Well, it goes against quote-unquote liberal orthodoxy. Uh, oh, I would have believed all this stuff was deep. I don't think it's deep now. I think it's uh, maybe I appreciate the the intention, but the results are really it's it's, fr- it's frothy and soapy, man. It's not deep, right? Yeah. I, the results are half assed. I think if I were in my twenties, I think they were three quarters assed, or maybe even fully assed. <laughs> so I, I'd appreciate that's an old joke. My name is Lady Whistledown. 
You do not know me, and rest assured, you never shall. Noah, tell me, is this show some harbinger of the apocalypse? No, come on. I mean, even if it sucks, it's just a TV show. It's harmless escapism. I don't think anyone is, you know, even if you, quote-unquote, fall for the modern touches, there's no one out there saying this is a solution to the world's problems. Uh, it's fine. Have a good time. Enjoy yourself. But, uh, you know... I'm sure there's something better out there. And by the way, like you, I read, I read Wuthering Heights, and I read some Austin book, and they they did nothing for me, yeah. zero. Yeah, it's the it's the anti-entertainment. You know, and these are the kind of things, by the way, that I have to wonder if they only have you know at their time they were popular entertainments, they were pop culture, which a term wasn't used then, and then over time they become part of the canon, so that you know they were they were assigned to me in my you know, prestigious liberal arts college. So let's keep that in mind. Opera is the same thing. A lot of things that are considered snooty and hoity-toity now were just junk back then. So I don't know. You know, I mean, I mean, I guess if 300 years from now you're assigned Bridgerton in uh, in your... Your, your, your in classics your, course, yeah. Classics. I mean, assigning your pop culture class is fine. There should be more pop culture classes. We talked about that. But still, not a sign of the apocalypse. Who, who gives a shit? Yeah, th this is more... Actually, I would say it's just more sludgy, forgettable stuff, uh, which which populates those little uh, hard to navigate little Netflix boxes that autoplay whenever you click on them. I mean, th th this this honestly, you might like. You're right. You you might like something that is some some Portuguese sewage drama from from. Wherever. No, what what. What happens is, is you get a hankering to watch that Sense and Sensibility movie. You look it up on Netflix. Netflix doesn't have it, so they suggest you watch this instead. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, if yeah, only it was exactly. that, but the, it doesn't even hit that kind of, um, honestly, I wish it was that right, exact. Right, but Netflix suggests it to you because it thinks that if you like Sense and Sensibility, this will do it just as well for you even though you know it won't. I, I just, I keep thinking, I mean, yeah, and we're, do, we're like, we're the ones who are filling this freaking metaphor I'm about to mention, but it's like that 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 uh, gigantic warehouse at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark that they wheel the Ark of the Covenant <laughs> to. Like, you could imagine, boy, there must be some good stuff in here, but they're all in crates and they're stacked 85 high over like 10 football fields. Like, at this point, it doesn't matter what's on. It doesn't matter that there was something good. That freaking American Vandal is buried somewhere on Netflix. Oh, and no one would ever find it. You could never that see something. That show was so good. That it was so was fucking so good. good. But, I mean, now it's yeah. like, you know, there's there's been 50 versions of this shoveled and ladled in front of you. I mean, this is just, it's, it's I keep, it's stuff. It's just like the matter of the universe. It is just... The, the same atoms that that exploded from the Big Bang are being reconstituted now into this into this form. Will I remember it? No, because I want to watch something very different. But I know that we will be having a conversation in about six weeks. That is the next version of whatever this is. It might not be Shonda. It might not be, uh, you know, Regency. It might not be Race Bent. But it's going to be something on Netflix that people can't stop fucking talking about. You haven't bled. It's been over a month since your arrival. You haven't bled. I suppose I should be happy. Up until now, I've uh, had no legitimate excuse to dispense with you. But when Lord Featherington hears of this... Uh, Bill, are you jealous of this program or the people involved with it in any way? If I was the kind of person who made TV, which I think for a while, uh, you know, in the, the, for, for probably seven or eight years in the last decade, I kind of thought I, I would be. That's what I was trying to do, is get entertainment. Yeah, I, I'd be continually jealous uh, at the, where the fire hose of money gets pointed at, you know. Um, you know, Netflix just gave, I mean, I, I can't emphasize to everybody how expensive this series was to make. When you shoot on location, This is, and this was all done before the lockdown, before COVID blew up, but to get a feature film production of this size going with all the costumes and again shooting on location on the streets of bath england um inside some of these houses that they use for downton abbey and whatnot those are extremely uh, difficult production um aspirations to put together and they did it so i mean th this is this is a volcano of cash you know burying pompeii inside ash along the way um, so I, I would be I would be jealous about it, but and I would say as a viewer though Noah, you know I I get jealous because I know that one of my favorite guys John Sales like he he if you told me tomorrow that John Sales was was going to get ten episodes two million an episode to tell one of his like typical really elegant gorgeous humanist stories that have a, a sort of novelistic approach 
I, I would say yes. Whatever came on Netflix before this, however many 15 seasons of um, Stranger Things, whatever that was, it's worth it because I would say one John Sales got a shot at it. You know, and granted, like The Irishman came out on Netflix and Mank is a Netflix thing. And so it's not that they're making stuff that doesn't work, but it's like I would love to see the full court press approach that, that Shonda got to make this for somebody like John Sales. You know, if, if, if um, and, and Werner Herzog got to carry, you know, get to carry out a, a basket full of Netflix money along the way too and i was very happy about that but i say it's like they're going to come back to shonda because she turns out money i mean she is she is a factory she's a foundry she's an industry unto herself yeah. and john's yeah. john sales is not but i wish that john sales had the same slack uh that she was given yeah of course but look netflix is not there to create art netflix is there to make money and if they create art along the way good and sometimes they do american vandal and i love stranger things yeah, Ma- mank and 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 again the irish yeah, and I mean, outliers, so you know yeah. if if they if if sometimes it's just escapism you know and it keeps the lights on and it makes people happy i i can't be upset about that i'm just jealous because i wish i looked like some of the men on this show i mean damn i wish i looked like some of the women on this show uh i wish i were that sexy uh, also, yes, of course, I wish a fire hose of money was pointed my way. Uh, and, you know, I was talking about something the other day with someone. Oh, yeah, just, I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit of an Anglophile. I really was as a kid. And still, it's sort of in the background for me. And London, probably my favorite city in the world. So even though I'm not into, like, Regency dramas I have no use for, uh, I wouldn't even want a Regency comedy that much. Like, there's just something about anything that is so insanely British just makes me... Puts, puts a little longing in my heart. Oh, mine too. I, I love um, the English. I grew up the same way as you, watching yeah. uh, Benny Hill and freaking Doctor Who and Mad. See, I don't, but Theater. I don't, I don't, but I don't like that stuff at all. That's what's I, weird. About I like it, it because I, it's British. I, I mean, not that I but like. I, it, I, yeah. I don't like that stuff. I never liked Monty Python. I guess that's weird about me. I mean, when I say I'm an Anglophile, that's a big asterisk. I like British music more than American music. And I and there's just something about British people and British culture in general, and I think there's something telling that I made my career in a quote unquote art form that was originally very British quizzing, right? It still is, but it's been exported here in the last fifteen years heavily. But um, yeah, comedies. So it's not all over the place for me. But there's just this sort of even though it's period dramas that have no use for me, there's just this British undertone that always just kind of. I don't know, makes me makes me wish I lived a slightly different life, but whatever, you know, I, I, it's it's a minor thing. So sure, I'm jealous. Why not? I'm jealous of most things. Why not be jealous of this? So let me switch over and go to the fallopian scale, uh, the X Y Z axis of everything on our show, precisely. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. where would you say this show falls on the Jimmy Fallopia scale? Well, I wish I could remember because I feel like I said the exact same thing about one of our recent topics, and I can't remember what it was. That this is the very bottom of things that aren't actually a sign of the apocalypse. That was like last right? week. Yeah, that's like the last five weeks, you know. Did I say that about Hilaria Baldwin? Could have been Wolf Walkers. Could have been something like that. This is, Wolf Walkers is a lot better than this. Sure. Don't you think so? Or do you disagree? Um, I think there's, well, I think it's hard to argue that it isn't just because there's so much personal craft that went into Wolf Walkers. It's so much more of a personal artifact than this. It's which also was... more, it's I mean, I didn't love Wolf Walkers either, but man, I would take Wolf Walkers 10 times over this. Wolf Walkers had more to say. Wolf Walkers was prettier. Wolf Walkers was way more original. Uh, it wasn't miscast. I mean, I don't want to rag on the actors in Bridgerton because they're all fine actors. I'm sure I could see all of them in something where I, I think they're the greatest actor of all time. But like, I'm not really thrilled with the performances here 80% of the time. So I don't know, man. If I said Wolf Walkers is the worst thing, I, I got to shove it over on the Z-axis and put um, put Bridgerton way lower because it's just it's just not good. Yeah, it's I, just it's it's really not good. I think this this is this is in the dead middle. I mean, I, I I'm gonna really I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna qualify my own dislike of it again. Doesn't make it bad. And I I read a bunch of pieces that were like on Pride.com and and you know I was really trying to get the spread of um, what women thought about it, what queer people thought about it, and especially what people of color thought about it. And you know I mean I, I everything I it may not sound like it, but everything I said has been tempered by the lens of like really listening to what other people have to say who have a different vantage point than me. Which is why, you know, of course, anything I say here isn't the, you know, hard and fast rule. It's just merely what one idiot at a podcast, uh, you know, thinks of it. So it's, it's, it's a dead middle to the, you know, bottom of the middle. 
it's for me it's lifeless and bland it's it's sumptuous and well crafted shadow location you know all the actors to me are boring as fuck i don't think that the the story that they're trying to breathe life into is something that is is gonna no matter who was in it no matter who wrote it could be fucking david mamet doing ellipses filled dialogue you know it's not the kind of thing that's gonna gonna get me so the weird thing is, I was kind of thinking, and this isn't an exact uh, analog, but I, I kept thinking of Riverdale when I was trying to put the thing together. It's like, ah, like there's something to Riverdale. I did not like a single minute of it, but I saw what they were going for, and it was really fizzy, buzzy entertainment. And I think that the, that the crowd is probably the same. I think that the audience of these two shows is probably then fifty percent, fifty percent. Like there, mm, there's a big. I don't know. Up. It's a generation older for this. I don't know, man. I think kids... River, Riverdale is kids, man. Riverdale is kids. It is kids, but I think that you have the uh, hungry kids who are looking up that are going to look at the costume drama, again, with the brocaded waistcoats and say, oh, I'm going to give that a shot, and I'm going to try to get into it. Thinking that it's as, as, as I was looking at Sense and Sensibility, you're looking up and thinking, oh, I'm eating high-class culture. This, is, this, is, this, to me, is like I'm really... I'm trying and I'm daring. I'm really getting out of my uh, my comfort zone by watching this really complex and naughty show about all of life's lessons. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I'm also, my memories of Riverdale, this is actually, I, I, I now scale, well, I didn't say they were bad actors, but the acting in this, is way, Riverdale was some bad fucking acting. Yeah, it, was, it was much more soapier, much less professional. Yeah, again, right, exactly. that's the difference between the English guys and the British uh, and the American guys. You know, just the, these the, those those were people who were plucked out of like freaking model right. catalogs, and these people probably graduated from RSC right. and other academies. But right, yeah. and and yes, even the soapy cheesy acting in England is still you know run circles around the soapy cheesy acting in the u.s it can no, not always there right. don't get me wrong there are yeah. plenty of bad actors but yes i think you're right in this case yeah all right good point all right all right well anyway let's wrap it up so if you guys want to find past episodes of this show look on spotify apple podcasts soundcloud jubule play and stitcher tweet to us at noah and bill show write to us noah and bill don't get it at gmail.com go on apple podcasts and give us a review that's how people find these things i am personally me Bill Scurry is on Twitter at William Scurry. I have not yet been deplatformed. Last thing I know, I, I probably will not be Jesus. for all I know. And uh, my video content, my essays, American Caesar Salad, a uh, 15 strong uh, essay series about topics in film, ranging from actors and productions and directors and things like that, is there at youtube.com slash amcaesar. And perhaps by the time this comes out or a few days later, I will actually be guest starring on my good friend James Hancock's podcast, uh, Wrong Reel, which I am a regular habitue of. And I will be talking about, speaking of Anglophone high-class product, we are talking about the legendary 1976 miniseries, Noah, I, Claudius. Oh, very nice. Yeah, anyway, so yeah, Noah will tell you something about himself right now. Yes, the big quiz thing, bigquizthing.com. Virtual corporate and private trivia events right now, hopefully in person again in 2021. Uh, Find out more today. Uh, Send us a note, get a personal consultation, etc., etc. The best in virtual trivia anywhere and everywhere and nowhere bigquizthing.com <laughs> all right everybody so until next week we, we don't, don't get, get it. it a production of american caesar enterprises 2021